Hey, Mr. Turkel, how are you? My name is Jason. How are you, Jason? I'm very well, sir. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) So many answers we may never know. Too many questions, get on with the show. Time for the chorus, only this bus. It's cool Open the podcast doors, Hal. It's Kubrick's Universe, the Stanley Kubrick Podcast. Hi, Lloyd. Been away, but now I'm back. Good evening, Mr. Torrance. It's good to see you. It's good to be back, Lloyd. What would be so? Hair of the dog that bit me. Bourbon on the rocks. That'll do it. No charge to you, Mr. Torrance. No charge? Your money's no good here. Orders from the house. Orders from the house. Drink up, Mr. Torrance. I'm the kind of man likes to know who's buying their drinks, Lloyd. It's not a matter that concerns you, Mr. Torrance. At least not at this point. Anything you say, Lloyd. Anything you say. Hello Earthlings and welcome back to Kubrick's Universe, I am G.A.L., your artificially intelligent host. In today's show, we will be speaking with Joe Turkle, who started his acting career in 1949. He has worked with some of the best directors in the business, including William Castle, Louis Milestone, Sam Fuller, William Wyler, Paul Wendkes, Buzz Kulik, Edward Mitrick, Brian Forbes, Robert Wise, Roger Corman and Ridley Scott. His TV appearances have included, The Lone Ranger, Highway Patrol, Broken Arrow, Dragnet, Bat Masterson, Wagon Train, Riptide, The Untouchables, Combat, Ironside, Police Story, Kojak, Fantasy Island and Miami Vice. He has appeared in over 60 movies, with the likes of, Shelley Winters, Tony Curtis, Richard Widmark, Jack Palance, Carl Malden, Doris Day, James Cagney, Mickey Rooney, Anthony Quinn, Jane Wyman, Charlton Heston, Sterling Hayden, Timothy Carey, William Holden, Deborah Kerr, Gary Cooper, Anthony Perkins, Ronald and Nancy Reagan. You got 30 seconds to go. Bob Hope, Kim Novak, Kirk Douglas, Henry Fonda, Robert Blake, Jerry Lewis, Sammy Davis Jr., Alan Ladd, George Peppard, Martin Balsam, Bo Bridges, George C. Gal, Tom Courtenay, James Fox, Denholm Elliott, John Mills, Leonard Rossiter, Steve McQueen, Richard Attenborough, Candace Bergen, Jason Roberts, Ralph Meeker, Frank Silvera, Bruce, Dern, Keenan Wynn, Jack Lemmon, George C. Scott, Burgess Meredith, Richard Pryor, Jack Nicholson, Harrison Ford, and Rutger Hauer. And of course, Joe appeared in three Kubrick movies, The Killing, 1956, Paths of Glory, 1957, and The Shining, 1980, and that's why we welcome him, into Kubrick's universe, let's, do, this thing. Okay, what's up now, what are we doing? Well, I was, uh, charged with, uh, the honor of asking you a few questions about, uh, your time working with Stanley Kubrick. We uh, do a podcast about Mr. Kubrick, and uh, we'd love it if you uh, had just a little bit of time for us. Now? Uh, if not now, we could rearrange for uh, 
sometime that's more convenient for you. When you say a little bit of time, what are you talking about? Uh, whatever you're comfortable with, I suppose. Jesus, I got things to do. I, uh, when do you want to do this? Is, uh, and for how long am I to be paid? Am I not to be paid? Uh, I may have you fired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And what is this for? What are you going to do with this information? Well, we just try to share it with the world of Stanley Kubrick fans that are on the internet, on sites like Facebook. And uh, we run a podcast, which is on iTunes, which is Apple's uh, service for music. And a podcast is basically just a radio show for the new millennium. And there's money exchanged. No. Not on our end. We do, we do not make money on this, sir. No, we do this out of love for Stanley Kubrick and his work. So. I never liked him. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that true? Of course not. <laughs> I, I don't. Think A week true. doesn't go by. A week doesn't go by that I don't think of Stanley mm. and his contribution to humanity. That's well said. Let, let, I want you to know that. Okay, so all right, let's do it. I'll do it for Stanley. Yes, in a minute without thought. Go ahead. Fire. Fire away. Okay, Joe, how would you Thank you very much. I have to leave. It's been lovely. I had a lovely half hour. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's have some fun and let's let's uh, let's enjoy this and let's do this and let the Stanley Kubrick fans be just pleased. And let them know that everything I'm about to say is true. Let them know that. And he was one of the great men of the world. Well, he, I think you've already All right, said fire. It. Shoot. Go ahead. Um, okay. My first question, Joe, would be how would you uh, say uh, that Kubrick discovered you, if you would say that at all? Sure, I will. He told me, he says, Joe, I saw you in a terrible movie. Uh, called Man Crazy. It was a, a terrible B picture. He says, I, 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 I used to see all the movies. Absolutely. He says, I saw you in that picture, and you had, the picture was terrible, and I liked you what you did. And so I said, I'll have to hire that guy sometime. And, you know, that's when he was just barely starting out. So uh, sure enough, he made a few very inexpensive pictures. Um you know, what the, what was his early stuff? Oh, God. You got me in bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, fear, yeah. fear and Desire. Fear, yes. Yeah, fear, fear and Desire and a couple of others. And then he got, see, he got through with uh, Jimmy Harris. And, uh, and, he, and then I went to work for him. And uh, I, I liked it. He was gentle. He was pleasant. He was mm. kind. He was knowledgeable, mm. one of the most knowledgeable men in films I have ever met. He, he just knew everything about every phase and facet of the business. He, he, uh, the camera, he, he was a camera buff, as you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, his, his aware, his being aware of the camera and what, what angles. He went through day. He just killed himself getting the correct angle. Mm. I want the right angle for the right move, for the right scene, for the right shot. And it, it was it was something. It was he was just. Uh, I've never seen or met anybody work the way he did. Mm. So you and uh, Stanley were both born in New York, and uh, of course you he were born, born in the Bronx. I was born in Brooklyn. That's right. But if, as as I understood it, and uh, I have to say, I've, I've I've been a fan of yours for a, a long time. I'm older than I sound, um, and I've been a a Blade Runner fan as well. But we'll get to that. I I've seen a, a, a good number of interviews with you. And when you said you and Stanley didn't meet until he came to LA and you showed him around Los Angeles, can you, can you tell us a bit about that? Well, he came here and uh, when he got here, he came here primarily to see me and, and do some location hunting. And he wants, you know, we got together 
And we met and we went around. We, I showed him a little Hollywood. We went to the restaurants. He was in, he had such inquiring taste mm. about everything he did, everything. He wanted to know about this, that, and the other thing. Let me tell you something. We talked for an hour about the Yankees. Stanley Kubrick, I don't know if you know this or not. Yes, I do. Stanley Kubrick was mm. a crazy baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Wilder than I was, <laughs> and still am. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a Yankee fan. Yeah, DiMaggio, he got a double in 1938, off the left, and he was knowledgeable about the players and who they were. But uh, that was one of his main passions, is uh, baseball and being a Yankee fan. He was born, of course, in the Bronx. I was born in Brooklyn, and I was a Yankee fan. Not a Dodger fan, but mm-hmm. uh, it was lovely. It was lovely. Wasn't there a story about you, you two riding in a car, and, and you joked that uh, DiMaggio was your hero, and he said something, well, how can that be when he is my... My God, or something. Correct. <laughs> Correct. That's right. That's right. I told, and that's why we we became very close and very tight. And the glue was baseball. Isn't that amazing? That's great. That's Isn't so that great. amazing? It is. That is really amazing. I'm I'm going to take up too much time talking about baseball, which, believe me, I would love to do unless I can uh, kind of move things along just because – we want to respect your time. I want to respect your time. So okay. On, so you're paying money. me twelve thousand dollars, right, for this half hour? Sure, sounds good. I'll just take okay. out a, a, a loan on the, and a mortgage, a third mortgage. <laughs> Paths of Glory was filmed on location in Munich, Germany, with Bavaria Studios, and a lot of the interiors were shot. Uh, over a period of about 66 uh, days, I believe, in 1957. How long were you in Germany with Stanley? Uh, for the, uh, okay, for the majority, the most of the time. Mm. Uh, I was in most of the stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, most of the time, and it was interesting, Germany. Oh, God, was that something. Mm. And I had still, you know, that wasn't too far after the World War. Mm-hmm. And I was in World War Two, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it to Stanley. And uh, I'll tell you a story. There was a fellow there called Stumpf. He was one of the technical. He worked in the, in the technical end, S T U M P F H or something like that. Stumpf, mm-hmm. you got the word? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And uh, one day. And he was talking about Germany and how great we were. And he, I said, were you in the army? Stump? He says, yes. I used, to, he, uh, I used to march. Here's how I marched. And he started doing the goose step. Oh, boy. Right on the fucking stage. Oh, my God. <laughs> right there. And I'm a Jew and Stanley's a yeah, Jew. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying to myself, and I, I looked at Stanley. We looked at each other. And he did the he did the goose step for a couple of seconds, showing showing the technique of how to do it correctly. Oy vey, oy vey is right. <laughs> and uh, I, I I I after it was over, we went back to work. Everything is cool. He didn't take any objection to it. Stumpf didn't. You know, he just thought, "I'm just telling you something that happened." And I'm saying to myself, this happened and millions died, you cocksucker. <laughs> I didn't say that. I, I thought it. I thought it. And Stanley, I think, thought the same thing. And I said, well, what do you think of this, Stanley? He says, not good. Let's get back to filmmaking. And that was it. I mean, that was something. Stumpf. Yes, I'll oh, never forget God. him. Because he, he, he didn't think much of it. And the whole world suffered. Yeah. And Stump yeah. was just showing us how nice it was to to to, to march in a German Nazi manner. Uh, oh. I hope you enjoyed that story. Yeah, I've never forgotten it. That's an amazing story. Private Arnaud. Did you advance? Yes, sir. 
till I was ordered back to the trenches by Captain Renoir. How far did you advance? Into the wire, sir. The uh, enemy wire, I suppose. No, sir, it was our wire. You mean to tell me that you didn't advance any further than our wire? No, sir, I didn't. How far would you say that was? How many meters? Well, I advanced as far as I could. How many meters? Not many. Not many? Now, Private Arnold, before you were ordered back, did you urge your fellow soldiers forward? Most of them were dead or wounded before they got three steps beyond the trenches. Reply to the question. I didn't urge them on. No, sir. Thank you. Private Arnaud. At ease, please. Aside from your sad failure to give throat to spirited battle cries, was your behavior different in any respect from that of the other men in your company? Objection. That's a matter of conjecture. Sustained. Did any men in your company get beyond our wire? No, sir. Is it true that you've been designated a coward simply and purely because you drew a slip of paper marked X? Yes, sir. I don't see that that's significant. It's accepted practice in the French army to pick examples by lot. And since this entire company advanced only a few meters, picking by lot was eminently fair in this case. But I'd like to point out that this soldier has distinguished himself in some of the bloodiest battles of the war. The court's permission, I'll read citations for bravery that he's already earned on two occasions. First, citations in the orders in the army for bravery... That's immaterial, Colonel. The accused is not being tried for his former bravery, but for his recent cowardice. Medals are no defense. May I call witnesses to his character? You may not. But you may call witnesses to the effect that he reached the German wire. Mr. President, no one in the entire regiment got anywhere near the German wire, including myself. Call the next accused, if you're through, Colonel. Thank you. Prisoner may return to his seat. Let me ask you a little bit more about uh, Paths of Glory. That's a great story. I'm sure um, whoever hears this is going to love hearing that, Joe. Thank you. Um, My pleasure. It's all right. That's why I'm helping you and... Uh... And you, just to make Stanley Kubrick the giant genius that he was and still is and always will be the finest director that ever lived. Period. Well, yeah. I'm Period. With you. I'm with you. Period. Exclamation point. Uh, right. Anything you want to say. Right. You he, know. Uh, go ahead. Well, it's just that with the show that we try to create, this thing they call podcasting, Joe, that we're doing is really our uh, effort to try and bring Kubrick's legacy and everything you say about him kind of into this new digital age. Um, none of us are spring chickens, but we're, we're, we're living in this world now with... I'm older than you. <laughs> I'll catch up with you real soon. S slow down. I'm so I'm so old. I was a waiter at the Last Supper. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Actually, I I am actually I, it's okay. I am 92 this July. I'm 91 now. That's... I'll be 92 this July, and um, I feel it. Everybody who is in their 80s, late 80s, 90s, starting to feel it. And that's okay, because that's natural, and that's the way it is. Stanley, I think, was a year older than me. Wasn't he born in 27 or 28? Or, uh, yeah, I, I 20, 28. Yeah. 28. 28. 20, I was born in 27, so I'm a little older. Well, nope. you, uh, you, you, you made it... Uh... You know, uh, a couple decades past them, Joe. So there's a. Uh, oh God, I did. There's something. The there's thing something. that how he died killed me. Mm. Uh, when I first heard how he passed on, he was in bed with his wife, and he says, "You know, honey, I just don't feel good." Mm. 
and he reached over to the night table to get some medicine of some sort, and he left. Mm. Just uh-huh. like that. Yeah. God, that's that's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Christiana herself, Joe, did say that um, if you if you think about all of the hours that Stanley spent awake, being alive, working on the things he loved and being with his family, she said, in a sense, even though he only lived to 70, uh, he lived more life than a lot of other people. Correct. And he worked all the time. He yeah. was always working on a project. He was always working on an angle, on a scene, yeah. on a line, on a word. Oh, God. <laughs> Make it better. Make it better. Make, right. that's, that's, right. This is not right. This is not right. Let's make it better. And that was his motive in life, is to make it better. He was just... Uh, I know directors that have worked. I've worked with directors, with fine directors, but they didn't have the intensity. Let me put it that way. Intensity of doing so superior work. That's mm. all. Mm. Well, l- let me ask just one more question about Paths of Glory. Um, and the, that was the, my the, favorite movie. I, I, I've, I've read that, and I think it's fascinating because it was uh, pretty early in your career, and you were involved uh, it, it, during so much of it. And, of course, the, the film has become famous for those extremely powerful and innovative – Yeah. Um, can you recall what it felt like when you saw that trench set that everybody talks about the trench. Everybody talks about the trench. Oh, God. Uh, I, I didn't know because I didn't see it. You want know to say I didn't see it in film. I just saw it in real life. I said, oh, well, this is unique. This is nice. Mm-hmm. The, the, the march by Kirk Douglas. Is mm-hmm. that what you're talking about? The mm-hmm. walkthrough? Yeah. And, the, and oh, God, it was great. It was nice. It was interesting. It was creative. And uh, I, I appreciated it more when I saw it on the film. Was it uh, difficult to work in a confined set like that? And how elaborate was that trench set? It was elaborate as you can get. I mean, he had soldiers. He had, oh, God. Oh, God. He had real German soldiers that were in the war as extras. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, we, we talked about that briefly. He says, yeah, but they're good. He says, uh, it's good. It's quality. And he, did. He again, strove for quality. That was it. Yeah. He, he made them uh, the, the outfits. He, he himself uh, was wearing trashy rubbish just to match what was going on around him. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he... Uh, he <laughs> There's nothing he wouldn't do or didn't do to make the film better, to right. make a shot better. Period. Let me put it that way. Nothing he wouldn't or didn't do. Will you please hear my confession now? Yes. Have faith in your creator, my son. Death comes to us all. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's really deep, death comes to us all. That really is deep. Say, for all. What's the matter? Afraid your luck isn't going to hold out? Well, look, this is this is my religion. Oh, Red Bottle, forgive me my sins for now. I lay me down to sleep, O Pete. May I drink of you first? Thank you. Amen. I understand your anguish, my son. But you must not let it harden your heart. May I tell you something, Father? Back in my hometown, there was a certain little cafe with an amusing sign over the bar. It read, Do not be afraid to ask for credit, for our way of refusing is very polite. Come on, Arnold, sit on your drum. Oh, Paris, leave me alone. Paris, sit down. Can you get out of here, Come you on sanctimonious pat answers? What are you hanging around for, to torture us? No, to help you with all my power. Your power? You have no power. No, but I know. God, Come on, take it easy. Does he? What a lamp! You can't be saved. Saved? I'll be saved! Come on, Arnaud. 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 Father, get a doctor, quick. Um, it, 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 at, at the risk of, uh, of, of telling tales or asking uh, something gossipy, it, it, there's a story about the actor Adolf Menjou getting a bit angry during uh, 
one of the big scenes with George McCready. Do you you recall anything about that? I certainly do. Tell us, please. Oh, oh, oh. Stanley, oh, God, I certainly do. I couldn't believe it. I was on the set, and I saw it. Mm. And they were doing a scene and doing a scene. And let's take it again. Try it this way. Let's do it this way. And let's do it. Let's, let's try it this way. And Marju was getting upset because it was a very talky scene. Marju and McCready were doing a talk, and that was a big, long scene. Mm. And the chatty as hell. And they were, were uh, Mon, uh, McCready was a, was a stalwart. He just did the lines and did them. Try, when Stanley says, let's do it this way, uh, can you raise your voice a little? Can you do this? Or let's try it this way. Finally, Marju, he says, Mr. Kubrick, when are you going to say cut and print? Let's, when are you going to do this? He says, I, he says, I broke in with, uh, I broke in with Charlie Chaplin who gave me my start. Mm. And it was never, and Chaplin was great, but never was, never have I been put for, been put under such pressure as you're, you're putting us under now. And he started getting slowly and slowly and slowly angrier. For Christ's sake, Mr. Cooper, let's get this goddamn, you know, one of those things, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Stanley was said, Stanley had a habit of brushing his forehead with his hand, with his fingers. Mm. Just brushing his hands over his forehead mm. with his fingers. Mm. He didn't move. And here comes Manju getting angrier and angrier, going after, coming after Stanley. I said, holy shit, is Stanley going to get hit? Is Manju going to hit him? Well, let's get this gun and more and more. Mm. And Stanley didn't move except rub his fingertips over his forehead, didn't move a bit. He got to him, and he and Stanley, Stanley told me later what happened, but I'll tell you. He got to him, and Stanley, Mister Marjou, let's uh, let's try it again. You have a point. Uh, let's do this one more time. Let's try it, maybe two. We'll get it. We'll get it. You're doing fine. Uh, you're doing just great. <laughs> And, and he just took Marju down, you yeah. know, very peaceful, very quiet. Yeah. And Marju was ready to punch him. And um, Marju, we did, they did it. And uh, they didn't do it just once more. They did it more and more. And I mm. think four or five, I'm not sure of the many takes, but he did it. And they said, all right, cut, print. That was beautiful. Thank you, Mr. Marju. Thank you, Mr. McCready. That was beautiful. And he used to thank the actors. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if you know that. He thanked yeah. the actors. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, almost a like a brilliant tactician with a, a chessboard. Like Correct. he was. Yeah, that he, he, he was. I said, Stanley, are you? Later I asked him, I said, Stanley, weren't your friend? I thought he was going to fucking whack you in the mouth. He says, <laughs> me too. I was scared, I was scared also. But I just talked quietly. I mean, I just made it, made it, made it known that it not that the scene was fine, but it wasn't as good as it could be. Mm. And I told that, you know, and and uh, in a nice way, in a gentle way. Stanley was scared to death, but he wasn't afraid. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, he yeah, he, it does. he you know, he's, uh, he's, he just did the scene. And he and the most important thing about the whole goddamn moment is he got what he wanted. Right. And right. I asked him later, I said, Stanley, what made you do the thing three or four more times? He says, I'll tell you, Joe. I says, which one did you use? He says, I used the very first one. <laughs> the one where he went, you know, after the screaming. I said, yeah. really, why? He says, he says, there was a certain tone to his voice that matched the fucking scene that <laughs> appeared only in the last, in the, in the first one after the anger. Right, he, had a, right. he had a sense of anger in his voice or whatever it was, and they did the scene, and there was a, tense, a tenseness about it. That was the one I used. I did two or three more, but... Uh, that was the one I used. That's brilliant. 
That's Isn't brilliant. Isn't that fucking brilliant? He got, he got a guy crazy. <laughs> to, 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 oh God! It was but he got what he needed, and he wouldn't. And he that, wouldn't. He wouldn't give much away. away around him. And that's that's like intellectual chess right there. Well, he was okay. Talk about chess. He was a chess player. Of course. And he loved chess. And I said, I love it. I, he said, I love this game. I said, did you ever think of playing professional chess? He says, yeah, I would have been, I would have been the best there ever was. However, I would have been damn good. But I knew I would have to sacrifice 20 years of my life studying the game. Mm-hmm. Minimum of 20 years studying yeah. <laughs> the game and the great players that have played the game. And that would take a twenty-year period, mm-hmm. and then I would be—I would beat them. I would beat it's, them all. It's—it's oh, it's, it's a rare person who knows that the, they could have accomplished any number of other things, but they chose what they did. That's right. He loved movies. God, did he love movies? Yeah. We used to talk about movie King Kong. He says how oh. sweet that picture was. It's a great I mean, King Kong and and and, and Superman, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He he says, "Oh God, movies, good movies is uh, is is panacea." Well, I want I want to ask you something. What, I don't what? want to answer it. <laughs> I want I I want thirty five thousand dollars. I'm gonna do everything I can to uh, bilk. Uh, everyone <laughs> on Wall Street that has been screwing over the little guy for so okay. long. No, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. And we're, and we're going to get a, a pool from all of these uh, Michael Milkins of the world. Um, okay, shoot. Okay, well, I was just curious, since you were talking about Stanley's love for movies, do you have a personal opinion on what you think it is he was trying to say with his whole career as a filmmaker? Truth. One word, truth. He told the truth in everything he did. I, I, he told the truth. He, oh God, there was a what was a what was that war movie he did? Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Or Full Metal Jacket. Like, yeah. And one day he's shooting, and Full was it Full Metal Jacket or Strange Love? No, Full Metal Jacket. And he had a standing order. None of the none of the producers are to come on the set while he's mm-hmm. shooting. <laughs> this is amazing. He's doing the scene, and it's the, and all of a sudden the producers, two 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 or three producers, assistant producers, came on the set, walked over, and during a moment's lull, he says, "Stanley, we want to congratulate you on some of the stuff you've done. You we've seen it; it's beautiful, and." Uh, he says, I thought you were not supposed to come on the set. I don't want anybody that's not connected with, with the particular scene on the set. Producers, directors, whatever. So, uh, now producers, associate producers, assistant producers. I don't want anybody. And he got angry for a second, very quietly. He says, okay, mm. everybody, take 10. Everybody sit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until you leave the set, we sit. Right. Just, just like that, and I'm sorry, Mr. Kubrick. Okay, we we were we we're wrong. We said we weren't going to come on the set, and here we are. We'll leave right now. And they got up and, le- and they left as quick as they could. Stanley didn't like these guys, producers coming on the set, and he told them that nobody was permitted on the set. Mm. I don't know if you know that or not. That's a true story. Let let, let me uh, fast forward a little bit to The Shining because, of course. You know, people who listen to the show are going to want to know what it was like working again. This would have been your third time working with Stanley. And, of course, the the Lloyd character, Lloyd the bartender, is uh, now completely iconic in uh, in the history of cinema. How how was Kubrick different uh, working uh, on The Shining with him? Was there any sense of uh, a different guy that you felt you were working with as opposed to the director of Years the Years earlier. Or Paths of Glory. Yeah. No, he was the same. He was the same. Mm-hmm. During The Shining, oh God, Jack and myself and Stanley were, you know, on the set while we getting it ready for, when it was getting ready for being shot on. And um, 
Stanley, uh, oh, this is amazing. True story. He walked around the set, walked around the set, observing, looking, checking the color, checking of the, 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 the of all the extras on the set, checking their wardrobe. Shouldn't you use a, this towel? Shouldn't you have this uh, this handkerchief in your other pocket? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't oh god, <laughs> you got the picture. You yes. have the movie. Uh-huh. Okay, you got it. Absolutely. You got it. There was one moment that killed me. Do you know what the ashtrays were back in the 30s? Do I? The yeah. White gla- the white glass, you know. Sure, yeah, the marble glass. M- oh, right. Milk glass, it was called also, yeah. I don't know what the fuck it was called. <laughs> <laughs> he got, he's walking, all of a sudden stopped and looked at it, and he picked it up and uh, called the, 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 uh, the, the who is the guy that, that takes care of the stunt? Not so. The guy that takes care of the, all of the, uh, the, the the prop the prop man. Oh, the prop, he called the, the prop, prop man. Sure. Yes, the property master. He says, "What the fuck is this?" Stanley said that. <laughs> he says that. He says this is the this is the 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 the, the uh, um, ashtrays of the thirties. We're doing in the twenties. And there was a difference in the 20s and in the 30s. Wow, yeah. He knew. And the, the property man was stunned. He said, I'm sorry, Mr. Cordy. Well, all right, let's stop. All right, everybody break for the day. Go get the correct ashtrays for these Wow. Tables. How does that grab you? And they, wait, they, they blew the day. And that's a lot of money. Sure. But that's how Stanley was. They blew the money. And they blew the day. But Stanley wanted an ashtray that was different. I don't know if I'm saying it the right way, the right ashtray, but it was a different ashtray of the 20s as opposed to the 30s. They were different. And Stanley knew that. And uh, and he's talking to this guy. Jack Nicholson says to me, how the fuck is he going to know the difference? How did he know? Where did he know the difference yeah. between ashtrays of the 20s and the 30s? And he does did. it fucking matter? Does it matter? <laughs> Who's looking at the ashtrays? Who's looking at where, where we, we got a scene going? Right. Who's looking at the ashtrays? That's anyway. Well, he and knew. Is, yes. And, and the one scene with Jack and myself is a girl sitting at the bar. Jack is laughing, and uh, I'm standing there, and there's a girl sitting between us, a little further down the bar. That's Stanley's daughter. I don't that's know if Vivian. Daughter. Yeah, that's Vivian, his youngest, I yeah, believe. Right, right, right. She pops up she, in a, a bunch of those it, uh, shots in the background. I didn't know that. I knew that one. And of course, she did. I wonder uh, why she did it. Did, did she ask for it? Did Stanley ask her to do it? Well, she did. Oh, no. uh, she directed. Uh, she made the uh, the behind the scenes feature at. Yes, oh, I never so saw that. Damn it! It's quite good. Would you like us I'm to sure send it, it to you? I'm sure it is. You want us? No, to it's it? all right. That's okay. If it's Stanley Kubrick's blood, it's good. <laughs> That's well said. That's well said. Um, now, do you have any other uh, memories, fond or otherwise, of of working with uh, the great Jack Nicholson? Jack was a fine actor. Jack is still an actor, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I should say this, but he's not working anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I I could tell. He yeah. I I haven't noticed him in any anything in uh, at least a decade. Right. I I and was I, watching. I, I was watching The Departed recently, and I was thinking, gosh, what a uh, an absence we have now. I, I don't know why he hasn't really done. Anything except one or two films after uh, Martin Scorsese's The Departed. He just hasn't worked. And find out for yourself. Mm. I'm not going to tell you. But Jack was a, is, a, is a fine actor. Was a fine actor always except recently. Mm. The decade that you were talking about. Mm. Jack knew his stuff. You know, he had those long scenes with me at the bar, and I asked him, Jackie, you want me to 
we'll do some lines together. We'll get, you know, he said, no, I'm, I'm set. I'm ready. Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What let be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd. Because I just happen to have two 20s and two 10s right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there till next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? You're not too busy, are you? <laughs> no, sir. I'm not busy at all. Good man. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. White man's burden, Lloyd, my man. White man's burden. Say, Lloyd, it seems I'm temporarily light. <laughs> How's my credit in this joint, anyway? Your credit's fine, Mr. Torrance. That's swell. I like you, Lloyd. I always liked you. You were always the best of them. Best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine. Or Portland, Oregon, for that matter. Thank you for saying so. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon. And all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. things going, Mr. Torrance? Things could be better, Lloyd. Things could be a whole lot better. I hope it's nothing serious. No. Nothing serious. Just a little problem with the uh, old sperm bank upstairs. <laughs> nothing I can't handle, though, Lloyd. Thanks. Women can't live with them, can't live without them. Words of wisdom, Lloyd. Words of wisdom. I wouldn't touch one hair on his goddamn little head. I love the little son of a bitch. <laughs> I'd do anything for him. Any fucking thing for him. But that bitch. As long as I live, she'll never let me forget what happened. Completely unintentional. Could have happened to anybody. And it was three goddamn years ago. The little fucker had thrown all my papers all over the floor. All I tried to do was pull them up. The momentary loss of muscular coordination. He was always ready. He was always, he worked hard. He mm -hmm. always was prepared. He didn't, didn't blow his lines ever. Never did I ever see him blow a line. Mm. When we were together or any other, well, you know, he, when we were, he knew, let's go, Stanley, all right, action. And uh, Jack would start. 
and I would do my part, and then, then the scene would go. And then after it was, it was cut, I let's try it again. Jack, why, why don't you move your elbow to the left a little bit or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> and, you know, and body, his body, oh, God, it was great. It was great. Jack yeah. liked it. He liked doing different things, and he was good at what he did. He was a fine actor, period. Yeah. Now, w- would you consider him what's called a character actor? Yeah. Or not? You would. Well, he's a character actor. He did character work. I did character work. That's we all why did I asked. That. Yeah, we all did. Uh, he, 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 wasn't a, he didn't consider himself a star. He was a good actor. He knew it. Mm-hmm. He knew he was a good actor. I want I, I, I want to toggle back just for a sec to ask uh, another question. You got thirty seconds to go. Here we go. Tick tock tick. Why do you think it was that Stanley ended up taking so getting so many takes and printing everything, even ones that he knew he wasn't going to use? Yes, he printed everything. The reason being, he wanted to not miss what will be good and what may come out great. He he loved accidents. Mm-hmm. He loved accidents. He, he, print, he as you know, he printed everything, right. and uh, he and he wanted to see different takes, and he wanted different takes, and he different attitudes, different mm-hmm. different body postures. He did everything different. It was all always. It wasn't the same. It was. It was never the same. Or right, you know, it, it was just different. Everything unique. Mm-hmm. unique. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. So I I have to ask. I'd be loath to not ask uh, because Blade Runner is very likely my favorite film of all time. And I have seen you in interviews discussing how uh, Ridley Scott approached you and asked you, "What do you think Stanley would have done in this situation?" That's right. He did. He did three times. He asked me that. He was such a fan of Stanley. He never said it because he was a quite a fine uh, director in his own right, you know. And he he says, how do you, and three times during the making of Blade Runner, he said, Joe, how do you think Stanley would have approached this scene? <laughs> and I just very nicely shunted him off. You're doing fine. You're doing, mm-hmm. Stanley would have done it the same way or he, he, there's no difference. You're approaching his, your, your approach is fine. Uh, don't worry about it. Stanley did it his way. You'll do it your way. Mm. There, there have been a, a few uh, instances out there where people are looking deep at Blade Runner and they're seeing a lot of uh, uh, rather overt homages, if you will, uh, from Ridley Scott. For instance, the 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 heavy use of the eye. Um, the uh, the the Napoleon teddy bear, for instance, is you know a direct reference to Stanley's unfinished Napoleon project. I'm just yeah. wondering if you had any insight or or even a you know a thought passing thought about that. Uh, he wanted to do that. He that was one picture he wanted to do Napoleon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just never got around to it. He started writing it. He stopped. He did this. He did that. He just didn't do it. He died. Mm. You say he died at 70? I didn't know the exact age. Yeah. 1999. It was... uh, Yes, right. Just over 20 years ago. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. I'm off the phone. You got enough? Uh, I, I think we do. We've... We've been, I can't tell you how grateful this is. We've been so lucky to get a chance to talk with you. Um, I My think, pleasure. My pleasure. Make Stanley look better than he was, which was impossible. My pleasure. My pleasure. Make Stanley look good. Better than he was is what I just said. Yeah. Do cool. it. We will. We will. All right, guys. Take care. And Thanks, I'm Joe. glad I, I did something for Stanley this morning, and that's great. Hello, Earthlings. I am GAL, your artificially intelligent host. Today's show was produced by Stephen Rigg, hosted by Jason Furlong, with James Marinaccio, and Mark Lentz, in the engine room. Please rate and review our show, as the lads from Kubrick's universe, really like to hear what you think. Thanks also to David Constantine, for being, instrumental, in setting up our interview with Joe Turkle. 
a new 4K restoration of The Shining is coming, with mysterious new footage, or that is what was stated in a recent press release from Warner Brothers. This release stated that the new 4K restoration was Kubrick's 146-minute cut of The Shining, implying that this version would contain the famously deleted hospital scene that was at the end of the film. However, Warner Brothers has now corrected its press release, stating that this 4K restoration is instead the standard 144-minute cut of The Shining that audiences are familiar with. The 4K release is being shown in selected cinemas and is out later in the year on Blu-ray. Awesome news! Go, Mrs. Torrance! This show is brought to you by the Stanley Kubrick Appreciation Society. We will now leave you with an excerpt from Joe Turkle's lecture, on Stanley Kubrick, A Force of Nature, which he performed in Oklahoma in 2001. Now, if I may, I'd like to just take a few minutes to tell you about his work. And then I'll tell you my experiences regarding his humanity, his person, and my remembrances, my reminiscences of Stanley himself. The man did 13 pictures in all. Actually, a few more, but uh, those other ones were very minor. Thirteen major pictures, eleven of the greatest quality. Stanley never won an Oscar. Stanley Kubrick never won an Oscar. He was nominated four times. First time was 1964, Dr. Strangelove. He approached nuclear holocaust and disaster the way no other director would or could. With humor, he got away with it. Those nominated for the best achievement in director are Stanley Kubrick for Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bum. The winner that year was George Cuca in My Fair Lady. In 1968, he did Space Odyssey. And that film had the greatest transition shot in the history of film. Every director admits it. That film had the, the, uh, the shot where the, if you saw the picture, the ape at the very opening of the picture, after killing another ape with a femur bone, he took it and he roared and he threw it up in the air, oh, and the bone went up and up and up, and at the very apogee of the, of, the, of the bone throw, it came down a spaceship, going from the beginning of time to the present time. Everybody was aghast. He should have won the Oscar for that scene alone. We are assembled here somewhat reluctantly to make the next award which is for best achievement in directing the only girlish thing about 2001 a space odyssey was a computer with a noticeable lisp <laughs> stanley kubrick for 2001 a space odyssey the winner that year was carol reed for oliver and incidentally, in 2001, here we are. And what he said in those days, back in 68, is, is happening today. We're traveling in space, we're living up there, experimenting, and everything he said was accurate. Vision. Third time was Clockwork Orange. <coughs> there is no limit to where violence can lead unless checked and tended to by human instincts of a higher nature. Now, I don't know who said that. I know Stanley did, but I don't know if he was quoting perhaps uh, Einstein or some other peace-favoring uh, peace human being of some high stature, but he said those words. And this, this is going to... Stanley was screaming to everybody who would listen. What the hell is wrong with you? We are a violent people. We have violence in us and, and all over us. Can't you see? I'm going to tell you what the future looks like. Take a look at this picture, and you'll see what 19s or whatever it is in the future will look like. He made that picture in 1971. And ever since that picture was made, there's been a direct, unbroken line of violence from Clockwork Orange to the Murrah Building, unfortunately, who you are too all familiar with, from Clockwork Orange to the Murrah, the Murrah Building, Columbine High School, and the two... Uh, the two high schools in Southern California, and dozens and dozens of murders and killings in smaller ways. And he warned human beings about violence. Nobody listened. 
Those men nominated this year for the best achievement in directing, Stanley Kubrick for A Clockwork Orange, A Hawks Films Limited Production, Warner Brothers. The winner that year was Bill Friedkin for French Connection. The fourth time he was nominated was 1975. Barry Lyndon. You take any frame of Barry Lyndon, blow it up, put it on the wall, and you have an artistic masterpiece. And he invented with Bausch and Laum, the lens makers, a specific lens that would be able to photograph the banquet scene with the only source of light being candles. First time that was ever done. Magnificent. Those nominated for best achievement in directing are... Stanley Kubrick for Barry Lyndon. The winner that year was Milos Forman for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Every one of the four films had one thing in common. Dr. Strangelove, 2001, Clockwork Orange, and Barry Lyndon had one thing in common. Uncommon uniqueness. Each was a different subject. Each was filmed differently. Each had a unique way of, of uh, photography and style. Absolute range unknown to other directors. In Hollywood, if a director does uh, Hitchcock, Hitchcock did his, uh, his thing, his psychos, vertigo, and all those. Stanley did different things, different areas, different times, different places in history, and he carried it off remarkably. Now, how about the time Stanley was not nominated? 1957, Paths of Glory, David Lean won for Bridge on the River Kwai. 1960, Spartacus, Billy Wilder won for The Apartment. 1962, Lolita, David Lean won it for Lawrence of Arabia. 1980, The Shining, Robert Redford won it for Ordinary People. 1987, Full Metal Jacket, Bernardo Bertolucci won it for The Last Emperor. It just seems to me that some room at the Oscar Hotel should have been found for at least one or two of his works. Now, how great was Stanley Kubrick? Oh, my. Federico Fellini was very ill, and he wrote Stanley a letter. Dear Mr. Kubrick, so-and-so, and his work and all that, at the very bottom, my dear Mr. Kubrick, you are the one. And he died a few months after that. He passed away and moved forward. Francis Ford Coppola, with Godfather, my goodness, he, he, the world was at his feet. And he says, wait a second, wait a second, I'm not a success. I'll be a success when I get Stanley Kubrick's contract. <laughs> George Lucas, Star Wars, was, was there ever a bigger picture? And one day he was in an interview with 9,000 cameras, 74,000 reporters, and he says, I didn't do anything. All I did was walk through the door that Stanley Kubrick opened in 2001. Winston Churchill, the Winston Churchill, came out of, the, uh, of a filming of Paths of Glory. And he's one of the two or three greatest films I have ever seen in my life. Winston Churchill. I have reviews here. Steven Spielberg reverently called him the grand master of filmmaking. Reviews from The Killing in the Time magazine. I have reviews from Pauline Kale about his humorous pictures. I'd like to give just one review. Peter Cowie is a British author. And many of his articles, uh, of his articles are about American directors, uh, English directors, the styles they both have. And he wrote this. He says, Paths of Glory is the most uncompromising anti-war film ever made. And that includes all quiet on the Western Front. And in fact, my personal opinion, I think Stanley was at his maximum with that imagination at that time. Why no Oscar? Why no Oscar for Stanley Kubrick? I'll tell you why. I'm going to get in trouble, and I don't give a damn. Two reasons. First, rather frivolous. Every director held Stanley in awe. They, with such admiration, it was beyond belief. And I've learned in life that admiration is the twin of envy. Real, deep-seated envy. That's the first uh, reason. 
And that, that's rather frivolous. Here's the real reason. Two directors told me this. Joe, you were born in New York. Stanley was born in New York. You're American. He goes to England and he makes pictures that cost 60 million, 80 million, 90 million every four or five years. That money could be better spent here. It would be better for you actors. It would be better for the crews, the cast, everybody, the labs, all of Southern California spend that kind of money. When is the last time, Joe, that you saw a British company come over here and spend the equivalent, equivalent of 80 or 90 million dollars? And as long as I have anything to say about it, we're never going to give them one. Period. Well, ladies and gentlemen, truth to tell, makes a little bit of sense. He's an American. Certainly you should look after Americans, uh, the American industry, and be part of it, which he is. I says, wait a second. You know, you're taking into consideration the economic, the economic portion of it. And that's all well and good, and you make a good point, and there is something to be said for that. I want to know, what about the artistic consideration? He says, Joe, what the hell is wrong with you? There is no consideration other than economic. Again, if I have anything to say, which I do, we're never going to give him one. That was cold. I took that away. Thought about it. That was ice cold. The Directors Guild, incidentally, gave him the Directors Guild Award. He's been given awards from every country in the world. The best and the highest. Okay. Six months later, a year later, I don't remember. <clears throat> don't remember which. A director, little guy, swell fellow, television man. He says, Joe, forget it. Forget it. He's bought, he's in, he's in England. Ain't going to get anything here. Forget it. Just as nicely as that. But I got the message. Not only was that cold, but what got my ire up, no Oscar, but they also vilified him. He was called quirky, reclusive, fiercely idiosyncratic, imperious as Hitchcock, dark personal vision. His films reflect his own terror, too remote, too cold. Well, damn it, let's just see the type of human being that Stanley Kubrick was. <clears throat> Stanley was born in 1928. I was born in 1927. Is there... In... <laughs> You're not going to believe this. In his early teens... <laughs> it means different things. In his early teens, Stanley Kubrick was a hustler. <laughs> a hustler. The word hustler today means different things than it did 60 plus years ago. Hustler, hustler then, then try to make a few pennies, you know, as street kids as we were. I would deliver packages for old ladies who didn't want to carry uh, two or three blocks from the corner grocery store. There was no market, supermarkets then. And I'd hustle and get two or three pennies, sometimes get a nickel, sometimes one penny. Wow, that was good. Stanley Kubrick hustled chess. He was a master chess player. Don't ask me where he learned. I don't know who taught him. All right, mister, I'll play you. How much? 40 cents? Sure. He went to the 20 or, well, about 15 or 20 chess clubs in Manhattan. And he would hustle chess. Here is this little dark-eyed, tousled-haired, crumbly, sloppy-looking kid. He didn't shave. 13, 14, or 50. Oh, 40 cents? All right, mister. Sure. And he beat everybody. All the time. One day he told me with no braggadocio. He says, you know something, Joe? I could have been world class. I could have been with Bobby Fischer, Spassky, all of the chess players. But I realized that to be in that level with those kind of chess players, I would have had to devote 15 to 20 years of my life all day with chess. And I didn't, I said, forget it. I like to go to the movies too much. At 13, he got a camera. He was a photographer at Life Magazine, at uh, Look, pardon me, at Look Magazine. Still in his teens. He loved jazz. He was a drummer. Played jazz drums. He left Taft High School at 17. He loved reading more than practically anything else. Baseball was his passion. And there you have his early years. Movies, chess, photography, baseball, reading, and music. 
There you have his early life. That's apple pie and ice cream. This forced perspective makes Stephen look very small. Very tiny. <laughs> this forced perspective makes Stephen look very small. Very tiny. <laughs> this forced perspective makes Stephen look very small. Very tiny. <laughs> this forced perspective makes Stephen look very small. Very tiny. And look very small. And look very small. And look very small. And look very small. This forced perspective makes Stephen look very small. This forced perspective makes Stephen look very small. This forced perspective makes Stephen look very small. 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 I guess we should let him get off to the pub. Sounds good. Maybe there's some zombies there he can kill. I guess we should let him get off to the pub. Sounds good. Maybe there's some zombies there he can kill. I guess we should let him get off to the pub. Sounds good. Maybe there's some zombies there he can kill. I guess we should let him get off to the pub. Sounds good. Maybe there's some zombies there he can kill. There's some zombies there you can kill. Love it. <laughs> well, great right. job. Yeah, well done, everybody. Good stuff. Look forward right. to the next one. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. All right. Well, yep. We'll pick it up later this week or something. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Good job. Thank you. I'll see you. It's Kubrick's universe. We just live in it. We have taken very thorough precautions in this podcast against broadcasting anything which might only be attributed to human error. Thank you for listening to the Stanley Kubrick Podcast.